All right, thank you, <clears throat> Matt. Um, we, uh, so I'm Kane, and this is Lida, and if you ever have any problems uh, remembering who we are, you can thank Lida Kane, and, and that's pretty easy. Uh, our goal is not to be numbing, though, today. Um, uh, so um, um, I'll just share something funny uh, very quickly, and then we'll pray and get started. Uh, I turned to Lida during the service and said, this is great news, because today we've got the double whammy. The dean is teaching, and Mark Genelet is, is, is teaching, and we are going to be... You know, we're going to be in good shape for our class. And then, uh, you know, the dean announced that Mark was not teaching. So that's what I get for, um, for not being appropriately focused on, on, um, on the topic at hand. But, um, uh, come on in. Um, let me offer a brief word of prayer and then, um, kind of get started and tell you a little bit about where we are and, and, uh, and, and, and begin the class. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for the words that we heard, uh, today, um, in worship, Lord, we uh, pray that you would open our hearts, uh, Father, to Moses, the prophets, to uh, ultimately to your Son, Jesus, and your Holy Spirit calling us and drawing us to you. Uh, Lord, we, uh, we know, Father, that unless you build the house, Lord, those who build it are in vain. Um, and, Father, we ask that as we seek to understand how to parent, um, that you would keep us in mind that you ultimately are the one who's given us uh, this great responsibility, and we ask that you would guide us through the process. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so um, so this is going to be a, a, a uh, I think, decidedly different set of voices from, from what you've heard the last couple of weeks. Hey, Nancy. Um, it's going to be a real step down in wisdom, I can tell you that. Um, so we are, we are, uh, we have three children. Well, all right, first, Light and I have been married about, Ten years, almost exactly ten years. We have three children, nine, seven, and four, and so we are we are in the trenches 100%. Um, and we're like many of you, just trying to figure this out. So, um, uh, so you may have thoughts afterwards that something I'm doing is is completely undercutting the gospel. And if it is, just tell me that in private. Um, and we'll get from there. Uh, uh, but but so that's that's sort of where we are, and um, so I hope this will be maybe a little bit more of a conversation than a than sort of a us imparting any kind of real wisdom. These are just sort of thoughts we have. Um, the the um, well, I guess Lyra, let me turn it over to you, and you can kind yeah. of you can kind of go over where the idea for life giving came. Yeah, we um, when Cameron asked us to do this. We kind of struggled with like it's kind of a good exercise actually if you if you're ever asked to think about your parenting philosophy in one word. I start I started thinking I thought well I mean I guess the way I parent is the way we live our marriage and the way we live out our marriage is the way we lived out our lives and I remember going through this exercise um, in our premarital counseling. We had really good premarital counseling actually, and they ask us to craft a vision statement or mission statement or something for our marriage. Or alert. I know we actually did that. Um, and I, I, I can't, can't put my hands on it right now, but I think it was something to the effect of the Westminster Catechism's first question, which is, what is the chief end of man to glorify God and to enjoy him forever? And I think we said something like we wanted to glorify God and enjoy him forever in, through our marriage. And so I would say that sort of informed um, our marriage and then how we parent because you know, it's hard to separate those two. I don't know that you necessarily, and then and then back it up even further the way you live your life. But 
anyway, I was like, well, I don't, you know, I can't think of a word. And I, I remember a, a spiritual mentor of mine in college, um, a family that I was really close to in college through my church. Um, she said, you know, we just try to do things as a family that were life-giving. I was like, wow, that is profound. What is that? And, you know, she kind of listed some things, and I, you know, um, I kind of, in my mind, sort of defined it as life-giving is anything that points us and draws us closer to Christ and toward one another. So really just being intentional in your life um, to recap kind of the wisdom that um, the Menendez has imparted, just, you know, being intentional in how you structure your your family life is, is anything that's going to draw you closer to Christ and to one another. But like Cain said, we're not experts. We're sort of, you know, right there in the foxhole with you. Um, and I think um, that kind of feeling, I can remember it beginning at the hospital when I had, when our first was born. I don't know if y'all have had this feeling, but um, I remember everybody left the room. I think Cain had gone out to say, it's a girl, you know, to everybody. And I remember holding our firstborn and thinking, if this baby is crying, they are going to come to me and I'm going to have to be the one to like get the baby to be quiet. You know, <laughs> just kind of that overwhelming feeling of, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, can y'all relate to that? I mean, do you, I mean, can I get an amen? Yeah, I mean, it's just like the most overwhelming thing thinking about being a parent. And I think that is just a picture of the overwhelming feeling that we have of like we're shepherding these little souls, you know, that are entrusted to us. So um, we had a newsletter that was given to us. Will you click the next slide, Lori? Um, that was sent. We support a, a college ministry. And I'm going to read. Um, these are two um, illustrations. I don't know if you're all familiar with mythology, but um, this is Odysseus and Orpheus. And I'm just going to read kind of what he wrote Um and this sort of is a kind of sums up a little bit of a picture of how we view parenting. These two images represent vastly different approaches to dealing with life around us and actually represent the theme of Hebrews that I will be teaching this fall. They both have their origins in Greek mythology and are a response to the sirens who were beautiful, dangerous creatures that called to sailors with their voices from the shore. The sirens' ultimate goal was to dash the ships and the rocks near shore and cause both their destruction and the death of men. The first image is that of Odysseus. Warned of the sirens, he commanded the sailors to fill their ears with wax to avoid hearing the lure from the shore. I hope you all can see that in the painting. Um, he, he himself then bound his body to the mast and urged his sailors to prevent his release no matter what he asked. The second shows Orpheus at the bow with his renowned skills on the lyre. The captain of this ship had Orpheus play, drowning out the noise of the sirens on shore. Though the sirens sang and the men heard their enticements, there was something more beautiful and intoxicating that grabbed their hearts. Thus, the voices ashore had no power over them. In the Christian life, we often choose the method of Odysseus. When the world calls through its tempting voice, we struggle to ignore it and discipline ourselves to resist. The wax eventually loses its hold in our ears and the ropes loosen, don't they? Furthermore, the longings of our hearts are still misplaced. And at that level, we are just as broken as, as had we heeded the call. We need to listen to a better song. Our hearts need to be captivated by something more beautiful. This beauty can change us at the core level. Isn't it too often that Christians repent of their actions rather than repent of our hearts? 
Isn't our attitude toward God one of I wish I was a better person rather than I repent for the voices that captivate me in place of God's? The author of Hebrews in the epistle shows us the beauty of the person of Christ. He says that there is a better king to follow who is building a better kingdom than the world has to offer. We don't need to close our ears so that we don't hear the world. We need to open our ears to hear a better voice. And you all have heard this, I'm sure, before. C.S. Lewis famously has said, There is a holiday at sea that awaits us, and we are content building mud pies in a slum. So we got this in the mail, and I thought, wow, that is perfect for our class, because it really kind of communicates sort of how we try to live out the gospel, you know, on Pinecrest Road, where we live, sort of a counter-narrative to what the what the world is, is saying to our children. And um, we try to create, you know, like I said, a home that is life-giving. And I remember, if you'll go to the next slide, reading, um, again, when we were expecting our first, um, Ephesians 4, um, 14 through 19. And um, I'll just go ahead and read out um, for the recording. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height, to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And I think that's probably the prayer of every parent's heart, that their children, each child would comprehend, you know, what what is the love of Christ. And, um, you know, these are just some, you know, different thoughts of how we, you know, you know, do this in our home. Um, you know, home is not just the place where you live, but it's, you know, we kind of look at it as a place where we're feeding the souls of our children, body and soul. Um, and that's primarily done through relationship, you know, through um, the people that we're in relationship with and then we're in relationship with our children. Um, and I think home is a place um, where we re- truly desire to be known. Um, and I think, you know, we can really truly only be known if we feel fully loved. And I think it's only through the lens of the gospel that we're able to fully love and be fully known, you know, warts and all. Um, and that's such a powerful, I think, powerful truth to communicate to your children that they are fully known by God. <laughs> you know, he sees everything. He is totally, you know, communicating those deep, deep truths, those theological truths that God he is, he is all-knowing and all-seeing, but he still is, loves us fully. Um, and um, just a side note, we, um, we've really felt, uh, and I think seeing not only how you love your children, but seeing how other people love you. We've, um, we had a crazy couple weeks. Kane had a, an emergency surgery like two weeks ago for a detached retina. And some of you all may know that, some of you may not. But... Um, We've just really been overwhelmed with, um, and I think our children have seen this as well, just how people have cared for us, you know, through this church, through our community, through carpools and text and um, meals and lots of different ways. But um, those, you know, you may think that's sort of insignificant, but I think, you know, that really makes a mark and a profound um, memory for your children when they see um, just community caring and loving in that way. Um, but, and you know, I had to get to the food. So, uh, uh, because I am a food person, um, we try to 
kind of instill in our children um, life-giving appetites. And um, Kane, since he's been at home a lot recovering from surgery, um, he's noticed, you know, at 3 o'clock they come in and they just, you know, they're just starving. And um, I said, you know, I kind of have a strategy that, I, you know, if I put out a healthy snack, they, they'll eat the healthy snack. You know, but if you just, if you don't, they'll, they will find the junk. And I thought, you know, that's sort of, you know, kind of a metaphor for life in a lot of ways that, um, you know, we are sort of setting and putting the benchmark of what their appetites are for lots of things, not just food. And, um, I mean, we give them snack, junk food too, don't get me wrong. But, um, yeah, yeah, wings, pizza, <laughs> jalapeno poppers, yeah, that, and like, Barbecue sandwiches yesterday. Yes, <laughs> um, but it was all good. Um, but anyway, I want to, I did, so we kind of already thought, you know, we had heard this phrase, life-giving, and on, you know, Amazon, when it has a little recommended, how am I doing on time? How, you, if you like this book, you'll like, and this was a um, book, it's a brand new book that just popped up. It's called The Life-Giving Home, and um, she says this a lot better than I, I could, so I'm going to read it to you about food. Um Food is the universal language that eases hearts to open, tying secure knots of intimacy while satisfying bodily hunger, weaving tiny threads of kindred needs into friendship, camaraderie, and truth. Being served personally in an atmosphere of enticing smells, delectable tastes, dancing melodies, and affectionate emotion has opened the hearts of many people in our home. When I ponder the amazing variety of what God has given human beings to eat, fruit, vegetables, spices, meats, fish, beans, nuts, cheeses, drinks, sweets, textures, colors, and taste. I have deduced that the creator of the universe cares a great deal about sustaining us and giving us pleasure. The life artist who crafted humans with noses to smell, skin to feel, taste to savor, eyes to approve color and beauty, and minds to enjoy engaging with others intended to make himself known through all of these senses and faculties. The pleasures God wanted his children to enjoy, sights, tastes, smells, sounds, warm emotions, all have the power to stir a heart alive, to inspire a soul to hope. I am convinced that feasting can be a form of worship, an acknowledgement of God's desire to create an abundant life to be enjoyed. The table can provide pleasure for all of our senses, give comfort and rest amidst the weariness of daily life, and carve out a space where we cultivate community and draw closer to one another. When we choose to feast together, take the trouble to make a meal, however humble, an occasion for mindfulness and gratitude, we acknowledge God's artistry and provision and draw closer to him as well. God, you see, is not merely an idea, philosophy, or a truth to be known. He is an artist, a lover, a comforter, a judge, a shepherd, a servant, a father, a cook, an architect, a comedian, a friend, the multifaceted one who wants to, us to celebrate life with him every day. He is beyond containing, bigger than our multitude of thoughts can comprehend. And it is he who invites us to taste and see that the Lord is good. That's from Psalm 34, 8. Um, and this has some lots of good prescriptive kind of things that they have done in their home. Um, but just gives us kind of good ideas of, you know, to, to, and ways to communicate, you know, gospel, the gospel with your children. Um, but I laughed that we, we had to follow like these experts, you know, the, the uh, the rights and the Menendezes, um, but you know I think that what they said um, is so true that you know that when you um, I don't know if y'all have listened or were, were here last week but we did get to listen to Drew and Rita's but um, really it's it's the cross you know it's pointing your children towards the gospel and for them to see you 
um, in a desire to share that love and that truth with others um, through hospitality, how you spend your time. I think um, I think children really observe a lot more than we think that they do. And when they see us, you know, caring for others and, you know, how we spend our time, I think that really makes a mark. And, you know, free time is so limited. And I think it speaks volumes when you how you choose to spend your time. Um, I mean, we kind of feel like at this point our children are our hobbies. I mean, we don't really have too, too much time for anything else. I know y'all probably feel a lot of the same way. But, um, you know, we try to do things that kind of include everybody at, at, as much as possible, you know, with a range of ages that we have, you know, whether it's a bike ride or, you know, a board game or, um, you know, walk, cheering somebody on at the ballpark. You know, that um, that can be life-giving as well. Um, I'm going to... Turn it over to Kane. He's going to wrap us wrap it up. Um, we don't, we've got about five minutes. Okay. Um, so, I guess I want to transition a little bit into. Uh, so, I think we're, we're all over the board with metaphors here, but think of another metaphor uh, of, a, of a of a plant or something like that. I think what Lydia was describing is is sort of providing fertile soil providing a place uh, of um, uh, where our children can be nurtured in a, in a sort of a positive environment that essentially tries to portray the gospel or, or be an image of the gospel to our children. So I'm going to undercut a little bit of what we said a minute ago about the, uh, the image with um, Odysseus and Orpheus and, and talk just briefly about <coughs> character and what role we have in instilling character in our children. I think for our children under 10, a lot of times it, things tend to look a little bit more like uh, Odysseus, where we are sort of binding them to the mast, we're filling their ears with wax, we're, we're doing um, things that we think protect our children. And, and, and I think that's good. I, I, I don't really cavil with that. Um, ultimately, though, I, I believe there's a, a more compelling argument or a more compelling vision for our lives uh, is is the second one, the, the one of of hearing a, a more beautiful song sung. Um, so, so briefly, talking a little bit about character and and what we think our role is in, in producing character or, or helping develop character in our children. Um, I heard a great, I, in fact, I saw him um, in the uh, in the nave uh, today, Chief Justice uh, Neighbors. Uh, I heard him talk once. He's he's unless he's changed, he had a a uh, an initiative out at Sanford about uh, I think ha- having to do with the development of character and these things. And I heard a talk with him once where he said that character, at least classically understood, was was thought to be sort of our bundle each of our our bundle of virtues and vices and that was that was sort of classically understood that's what character was and if you sort of were if the balance sort of tipped in your favor to virtue you had overall a good character and if the balance if the scale sort of tipped more towards <clears throat> vice then you were maybe had a bad character and that the goal was to sort of keep tipping the scales towards virtue um, I think as Christians we would say our, our character ultim- ultimately is dependent on Christ. That we we really um, uh, that we don't really have a character apart from Christ, and 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 
and I think that's true. Um, I, I would affirm that. Nevertheless, I think there's a shadow of truth in what maybe the, the sort of classical understanding was in, in, in training up our children. And, and I wrestle with this, uh, sort of how do you, what, what is a Christian understanding of brushing your teeth before you go to bed? Or what is a Christian understanding of making your bed every morning? Um, I don't know that, I don't know that, um, I think there's a lot to be learned from maybe what classical voices have said on those subjects. And, and so getting back to those scales, it was thought that if, um, well, either virtue or vice were determined by habit and that habit either tended toward vice if your habits were bad and habit tended toward virtue if your habits were good. And... Um, and so I want to read uh, just real uh, briefly a little uh, a verse from Second Peter, Second Peter chapter one. Um, uh, no, I can, no, I can read it. I can read now, which is a plus. Um, uh, starting at verse two, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, having escaped the sirens, uh, you know, basically in that image. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Um... Well, I, I think it's safe to say we're, we're going we're gonna to all stumble because we're not all going to do those things. Uh, nevertheless, I think it's a that that verse is a is a helpful um, mark uh, is a helpful sort of goal to press to uh, with with our children um, to uh, trying to develop in them those things that were mentioned by by the Apostle Peter, um, virtue, kindness. Discipline, self-control, and then the the fruits of the spirit, sort of in a, in another uh, set of verses earlier in the New Testament. Um, so, you know, I, I really don't have much practical to say. These are all sort of big picture uh, ideas, but um, I mean, we probably try to do the same things that, that many of you try to do. We try to make um, so that we can have a life-giving or encourage a life-giving sort of um, set of habits for our children you know we try to um, read scripture together we try to have times of family worship um, I think um, the Sabbath plays sort of a, a role in what we what we try to do you know we try to honor the Lord's Day to some extent I mean I'm not even sure it's hard to, to know what that looks like now but it but nevertheless we in vague terms try to try to press toward that um, um, and and it's and it's all um, it's all in the recognition that we are trustees that God has given, placed our children in trust for 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 
for us for a brief time. So um, I don't know if we do we need to kind of wrap up. Yeah, I guess we do need to kind of wrap up. Um, I'll close with a with a prayer, but um, I know that's sort of ethereal and floating out there. Anybody have any questions or comments? Comments? Yes, Kelly. That's a neat that I, that is thank you for Kelly for that because I, I've noticed um, and I know we need to wrap up with the bells uh, but the um, our children you, you think that they just hate and and kick, you know kick against the goads and at at every turn and then you realize sometimes that that some of these traditions and, and practices that you have actually are very very meaningful to them and, and but it takes something like that sometimes to draw it out of them mm-hmm. thank you. Um, and two very quick things. I love our character. The the root word for character um, is is to engrave, and you can so you can kind of think about a typewriter, how a typewriter, an old fashioned typewriter, would actually make a an a dent or an impression in a piece of paper. That is sort of the idea with 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 character that we are by God's hand and and we are His agent, but we are slowly making little etchings in their in their minds. Um, So I'll close with this prayer and thank you. Almighty God, Heavenly Father, who has blessed us with the joy and care of children, give us light and strength so to train them that they may love whatsoever things are true and pure and lovely and of good report, following the example of their Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.